0: This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you, the one listening to this podcast right now. I'm guessing you tune into Docs Outside the Box because taking control of your career is really important to you. Now, our sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts that are ready to guide Docs just like you through today's job landscape. They've also got exclusive access to hundreds of positions nationwide. So whether you're looking to dive deeper into your specialty work or let's keep it real, you're trying to find a healthier work-life balance, it's important to start the conversation with them right now. Contact them at info.psdconnect.org forward slash Docs Outside the Box. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. nee We have a longtime listener on the show today. We have Dr. Lucy Mitchell. Dr. Lucy, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. What's good? How you doing?
1: Hey, thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm a longtime listener, longtime fan I've known your wife forever. You you were just a bald head that I seen far away one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now you just hear my voice every now and then. Yep,
1: that's right.
0: Well, I I really love connecting with longtime listeners. Um, I used to listen to radio when I was younger, particularly like Hot 97 and so forth. So I know people always say like longtime listener, first time caller. So everybody, we do accept call-ins. So if you guys are listening to this show and you want to get on, just hit us up. And you could be just like Dr. Lucy and, and come on the show. So we have so many different facets of you um, that we are going to explore today, um, more than just being a listener to the show, um, but also like you are taking action. Um, you're doing some outside of the box things that we want to feature on the show. But before we jump into that, um, let's take a moment. Tell us about who you are, where you're from. Tell us about you know what your training is, what your specialty, and then we we'll just take it from there, okay?
1: Yeah. So originally I'm from Canada. You know, so me and my siblings and my parents are from Haiti. So, you know, we're growing up in a, you know, Haitian household, you know, straight parents, all about education and all that other stuff. And it's either you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer or nurse or whatever. Right. Failure. None of my siblings are doing that, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. by the way. Um, And so then my mom said, hey, we're going to move south. So I figured all right, we're going to move to Florida. You know how Haitian folks are. So I'm thinking Florida. So we went to Boston. I thought we were visiting, but we ended up staying for about 18 years.
0: Oh wow, so, okay. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Were you in like so Roxbury to, or where, so where we lived in
1: Dorchester and Mattapan.
0: Dorchester. Okay. I've heard of Dorchester. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
1: Dorchester and Mattapan. And so I went to Holy Cross for undergrad. Um, uh, was an English major, creative you was in the writing Patriot minor league.
0: Okay. Yep. Pre-med. Right. I went to Lehigh. So. Went to Lehigh. I know yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So we used to race you guys all the time. So
1: <laughs> we'd be calling basketball. But anyway.
0: So Okay. Okay. <laughs> Y'all basketball team is pretty good. I can't front. Basketball team yeah. is pretty
1: good. Um, and so, you know, after I finished Holy Cross, I went to Atlanta and then went to grad school. And so, you know, grad school, you know, got a master's in biomedical sciences and then took a year and a half. And I was teaching anatomy and physiology, histoneuroanatomy, all all that cool stuff. And then went to med school to DECOM.
0: Now, when you were, when you were teaching, were you in Atlanta also? Where were you? Yes, I was teaching in Atlanta. Okay. All right. Some of the colleges there. Okay. So you did that for how long?
1: So I did that for about a year and a half straight. And then when I went to med school, you know how you get like maybe like two summers off between first and second year. And so during those times, I was teaching the anatomy boot camp at those
0: colleges and also at the medical school. Oh, wow. So you're busy. So let's take a step back real quick. So from the time you graduated from Holy Cross to going to DCOM um, and I forget which DCOM is which school? I'm the bus college of osteopathic medicine in that, Tennessee, in Tennessee. So by the time you, mm-hmm. the time in between graduating from, uh, from college to going to medical school, how many years?
1: So college, I graduated in 2007 and I started med school in 2011. And so in between that, there was a grad school.
0: Okay, so realistic about three and a half years, four years, and in between that, that's when you got your master's. That's when you were teaching. Then you went to medical school, okay? Mm -hmm. And then in between your summers of medical school, you were making some extra cash by using your skills as an anatomy specialist. So you were teaching anatomy at your school as well as at the other schools that you were at also. Yeah. Okay. And then third year, it's time to make a decision, right? You got to make a decision as to what specialty you (laughs) want to go into, and you decided to go into… PM&R. So that's physical medicine and rehabilitation. That's not how I heard. I heard it was plenty money, plenty money and, relaxation. Rehab and relaxation. That's what I heard it was. So why are you changing the definition? What, what's this? I mean, you know, medicine. I'm <laughs> All right. So you go into PM&R. We got a bunch of med students who listen to the show as well as pre-meds. Tell us what PMNR is.
1: Yeah. So it's um, pretty much I describe it as the internal medicine of anything nerve, bone and muscle related. And so, any of those neuromuscular skeletal disorders that you hear of, you know, as far as Guillain-Barré to anything from, um, let's see, any of those neuromuscular disorders that you hear as a child that you only see in books, and strokes. Brain injuries, spinal cord injuries. Trauma. Also, yep. Lots, lots
0: of trauma. Lots of orthopedic trauma, vehicle trauma. I, I think like 80% of our patients end up in your hands, in a physical medicine and rehab oh, doctor's prob- hands.
1: I don't know. When, you're, know. when
0: you want to accept them. Excuse me. Let me just clarify <laughs> that. Y'all don't want to accept nobody. No.
1: there are criterias. And sometimes y'all just want hand to handle anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: do when y'all you know won't this, get paid. Anyway, but, move on. The,
1: we we, we got to make some money.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So everybody, listen. So the majority of my patients that I take care of, like going home immediately after their trauma or even at the hospital is really not an option. So usually the options for them are going to a skilled nursing facility. So like a nursing home or going home, which can be really difficult if they have like orthopedic injuries or if they have a brain injury or if they have a spinal cord injury or, you know, let's say I I operate on them and I have to remove organs. Like that takes time to recover. So the other option is for them to go to something called inpatient rehab. And uh, that's where Dr. Lucy... Uh, is taking care of patients who are acutely injured. They're recovering. They're no longer like acutely injured, but they're recovering and they need someone like her to help them get to the next process, um, which is hopefully getting home. So,
1: Yeah, and the thing about that is a lot of like people, especially y'all, y'all surgeons, y'all don't know the difference between acute and patient rehab, nursing home, skilled nursing facilities, long-term care, because all those are all different things. So a nursing home is not a skilled a um, nursing facility because a lot okay. of people will get those two confused. Come and educate so, us, please. Tell us the difference so right that's now. That's why there's a lot of miscommunication there. So a skilled nursing facility is where somebody is, you know, not at the point where they can tolerate you know, the acute inpatient rehab, but also not at the point where they're going to require like, you know, 24 seven ongoing care, like in a nursing home. So a skilled facility is like the in-between. And then your insurance usually approves that for about a 20 day stay Versus acute inpatient rehab is an average of 10 to 14 days. And again, it could be less. It could be more depends on how you progress while you're there. And so those are the options. Nursing home is more like of a, you know, between a long-term place where somebody will say, hey, I can't take care of my mother anymore. Maybe she can go to a nursing home and she can stay there for X amount of time. But it's a lot longer than 20 days, like a skilled nursing facility.
0: Okay. And usually the big difference between a skilled nursing facility and inpatient rehab for those who are listening, the big difference is, is how much rehab can that person do, right? Like how many hours Correct. can Correct. How that many can they tolerate? That? Right. A so, a lot of times, you know, yeah. for
1: acute and patient rehab, it's about three hours a day to tolerate. But somebody who needs a skilled nursing may not be able to tolerate that intense rehab. And so they may only do an hour, one hour and a half a day. And so that's when a skilled nursing becomes more appropriate. But they're there longer because they can actually, you know, do better in that period of time versus the three hours that they're shorter because they get more. Therapy in between those times. Okay. All right. Cool. So, how long was your residency? So total is four years. So your first year is your intern year. Okay. Which is, you know, it could be a combination of either general surgery or internal medicine or uh, transitional year, which is a combination of the two. So that's what I did. Um, and then three years of rehab. And after that, I went into a fellowship. Start so did my fellowship in interventional spine and pain. Ooh. So I do a lot of minimally invasive spine procedures. You know, your bread and butter, like epidurals and stuff, do all those too. But of course, your spinal cord stimulators, your um, vertiflex, which is, you know, implanting a device between the spinal processes on the back to, you know, help with somebody with spinal stenosis, for
0: example. So oftentimes you're in the operating room, you're wearing scrubs, you have like lead on because you're using a lot of fluoroscopy and so forth. So Mm -hmm. wow. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Here's a tip when looking for your next job understand your strengths and weaknesses. For example, if you've been practicing for a while and you know you have a problem with closing charts, then it's important that you find a place that's gonna help you have administrative help, right? So there are plenty of options when it comes to your career in medicine, but just like every patient is different, every physician has their own personal definition of success. And that's where our sponsor steps in. Provider Solutions and Development doesn't bring just one answer for all, they are recruitment experts focusing on who you are before helping you find what you're meant to be. So whatever you're ready for next, they'll help you find it with no quotas, no commissions to get in the way. So even if you're looking for a more collegial feel at work or just heck, a more healthier work-life balance, they can help find the right fit for you. So reach out today at info.psdconnect.org. Forward slash docs outside the box. All right, so you so that's a total four years of training. Yeah. Okay, four years of training. And now, where are you located now?
1: So right now, I'm in um, private practice. I'm in Rome, Georgia. Okay. And so that's where
0: I am. Okay. All right. And you've been listening to Docs Outside the Box for how long now, sis? How long?
1: Man, since forever. Because you started back what? Three years ago, almost?
0: No, I started 2016.
1: So I started listening in
0: 2017. 2017. Okay. So yeah, Yeah. you definitely been there for a long time. Because 2016, that was the time when I only put out for the entire year, I put out like 16 episodes because I just wasn't sure exactly what I was doing, how consistent I wanted to be. And then around late 2016, and as we start getting into 2017, that's when more and more people, more physicians more med students, um, more people in healthcare in general are jumping onto the podcast wave. And that's when I was like, oh man, like I need to get more consistent with this. And that's when I think we started to get a lot more listeners because we were just putting out episodes every week. So I cringe listening to those episodes, (laughs) but um, I appreciate people like you for sticking with us. So, um, you know, it's really, really, I really appreciate that. Now, as as everybody who's listening to the show knows, like we feature docs who do things outside of medicine. So, you know, I wanted to highlight what you do in the hospital and that's really great. But let's jump into what you do outside of medicine. You have a design studio. You have a a company, a business called Phoenix Noir Designs and Photography. Tell us about that. Yeah, and so
1: what it is is, because I specialize or subspecialize in, um, spine and pain. And so what I ended up doing is getting images of my own spine, not just for fun, but because, you know, they were needed at the time, you know, uh, I was about
0: to say, I was like, wait, yeah, what? Not- you just <laughs> going in there, just doing floor on your back. How you do
1: that? <laughs> no, no, it was actually needed for specific reasons. Okay, And so, um, What I end up doing is saying, wow, because my L5S1, you know, is the disc is almost gone and I'm young. So people was like, you know, wow, that's crazy. But also I have a you know listhesis. So that's like a slippage of one vertebrae over the other, right? At that same level. And so I I was like, wow, my spine looks, you know, jacked up, you know. And so I started just kind of playing around with it in some of my programs and, and I'm doing some abstract turning my spine into some abstract art and people were like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, what is that? Where'd you get it from? And I'm like, what? No, that's, that's fine. Like what you mean? And so I started doing more of it and people started, like, like,
0: like what are you doing? Like you're using like, like so Photoshop like, or something? or well, I
1: have Photoshop. I have Element. I have ToolWiz. I have all these different, you know, like programs that I use. Because I used to, I was doing art since I was in middle school.
0: But w- um, when you started, you were just, l- like, you did this on purpose at first? Or were you trying to, like, look you at know, your it, spine it was, better? It was
1: on purpose. No, it was just on purpose. I was kind of messing around with it.
0: Okay. I was, le- people- I
1: was in lectures I was supposed to be paying attention. But, you know, that was not happening. So, okay. yeah. So, I started kind of messing around with it. And I was like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. People starting asking more about it. And then one time... A nurse said, hey, you know, what you get that? How much is it? And I'm like, well, what? And I just gave a random price. And she was like, all right, cool, sold. I was like, oh, okay, yeah.
0: Wow, wow. Then, so people will pay for your artwork. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so then I started doing more of it, more of it. And people would say, hey, you know, I have like a need that has been jacked up. You know, here's my MRI. You know, you know how much do you charge? And so then I, that's when I started saying, hey, you know what? This could be my little, you know, thing. Right, what year is this on. happening? So this is now like 20...
0: 18 2018 okay yeah
1: 2018 so it wasn't you know nothing serious you know i was kind of saying okay here and there kind of doing stuff but then i really took it seriously you know after this whole panic attack that i had you know in 2019 and that's when i started you know jumping on that even more seriously and you know started getting the website out i think i got the website out last year um and then now it's you know full-blown running and i do a lot more than just spines i do different body parts you know i've done like um in the mutual emblation for like an OBGYN, you know, I've also do a lot of abstract acrylic paintings. And so a lot of folks want the original paintings. And so I've been
0: doing that as well too. So do you got to get permission for, so who, like you're getting, this is like patients that you're taking some of the photos, the images of and.
1: No, they were my, they were originally all mine. Okay. Yeah. So they were all my spine images. So I didn't have any patient images. They were all mine that I was using to create the different designs. But the and cur- then other,
0: But the current art that you're using right now.
1: So my. Our current, our current art is all mine still. Okay, gotcha. So there's so many different ways to use, you know, your spine images. And so, but they're all mine. The ones that I sell and put out, they're all mine. If somebody were to ask me to do theirs, you know, I do theirs. You going know, to pay for it, I give them theirs, but I don't resell like their spines.
0: How long does it take to do a piece of art?
1: It depends. Sometimes it could take me, you know, if it's so, like a Saturday, you know, I'll go all day Saturday and just be in my zone and just, you know, focus on that. Um, at times it could take anywhere for like several days till a, a few weeks. And that's for like spine stuff. If I'm doing acrylic paintings, you know, it'll take me about, you know, several days to do the painting, but then the painting itself needs to cure or dry for at least like three to four weeks. Cause there's a lot of layers on it. Mm-hmm. And then once it's dried, then I have to like do a varnish or add resin, which is the top coat layer and all those take time as well too. So before we hopped on this show, I was actually doing some layers to some paintings.
0: Okay. So for those (laughs) who are listening to the show on just a podcast, you can't see. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see a piece of artwork that Dr. Lucy has sent to us. Let me see if I can get this centered better. Like this is some beautiful artwork. So is this you? This is me. This was at the
1: very beginning of the pandemic. So this is
0: you, it looks like you have a mask on and your hair mm -hmm. is over one eye. You look like Aaliyah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually crying. I was
1: just upset. I was mad. I was pissed off. I was angry because you know, I was seeing a lot of people my age, you know, dying and in a matter of days, and it was just exhausting. I couldn't go home to my kids, you know, my husband. So it, it was a lot going on at the time.
0: Now, Dr. Lucy, you are PMNR. So like tell us about like what happened in that situation. Did they did you get like deputized and you had to do like different types of um, did you have to do things outside of your scope during the like the height of the pandemic?
1: So during that time, I was actually in fellowship during okay. the pandemic. And so as a fellow, even though we were doing all the individual spine and pain stuff, we still had to, you know, do our even our duties at the hospital as well too. And part of the rehab unit was converted into, you know, a COVID ward, basically. And so even though they were on, you know. COVID patients, they would tell your responsibility because they were technically on your unit at the end of the day. And so there was a lot of that going on. And I actually had the first COVID patient in the hospital at the time when I was doing my my fellowship. Where'd you do your fellowship at? I did it at um, Ortho Sports and Spine in Birmingham.
0: Okay, all right.
1: And so we did the PM&R part um, at Grandview and St. Vincent's East. Got you, got you.
0: Okay, so that, I mean, that had to be a little crazy though, right? Like, I mean... Oh, yeah. This is not the typical type of patient that you're doing most most of your training on. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you have to isolate for C diff and all these. But that's a different. That was a different. different beast, yeah. Right.
1: And so, because there weren't any protocols, and so myself and my co fellows, we ended up writing the protocol for COVID for the rehab unit, which ended up being the protocol for the hospital at the same time. Also,
0: okay, during our time, go you. Yeah, we try. Okay. 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 Well, that piece of art that you guys just saw, uh, that is dope. That's going into the studio. Um, you can find more about her paintings, her design at Phoenix Noir. Let me see. Where's the website? I thought I have that. I'm going to put in the show notes if I don't have it up here. I should have it here, but I'll put it PhoenixNoirDesigns.com. There you go. So I'm going to put in the show notes so people can support that. Um, so you said it takes anywhere between like a, what, 24 hours to maybe several weeks, depending on if it's an acrylic painting for, for you to get something out like that. Um, yeah. and then you said that you were painting when you were, when you were in middle school. So from the time when you were middle school to when you became a physician, or even to the point where you started making this a business, were you still dabbling and working in paint, or did you have to lay that down so that you can really focus on medicine? So
1: I was still dabbling here and there, but I did lay it down during, um, residency like the first couple years of residency it kind of laid down just a little bit but then I started picking it up just here and there once in a blue moon like for the photography por- portion you know when you're a resident you- there's like those pictures of you on the website so they could see who the residency class is mm-hmm. well so far the class before mine and all the ones way before that they all looked like dull and it was a cloudy day and it looked it just looked a hot mess and so I asked my program director I said hey can I take over and do like the pictures for our class and the class that comes after us because these pictures don't look right. And she was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Go at it. So I did that. And everybody would, from different programs would say, Hey, what would y'all get your pictures done? Where'd y'all go? Is it the gardens? I'm like, no, this is outside the building. We just made it look nice. (laughs) Mm, You know? And so that kind of started. Yeah. And so that started, you know, getting business from that direction, as far as other programs wanted me to, you know, do some of their photos for their residents and things of that sort too. So I enjoy doing that during residency. So that's why I started kind of slowly picking that back up even more and more during that time.
0: So when you're working or not working, when you are creating, where's your mind at? Like how, you know, because it's, I can imagine like you, it's related to anatomy. It's related to what you do. It's your, you know, it's your body that you're basically manipulating and creating into art. But I just am interested. Where does your mind go when you're doing this? Is this like the doctor mind that's creating or is this the other side of your brain?
1: Like, yeah, it is definitely not the doctor mind because at that point I try to shut down, you know, the outside from like work and everything. If I had a bad day at work, you could see it in my art because it's like dark colors and it's like, what the hell is this? You know, it's just very dark sometimes. And if I'm having a great day, it's going to be these bright colors, you know, it's colorful. And sometimes if I'm just having a just a regular like, you know, just go around day, then it can be a mixture of things. But my mind is usually not on work or how do I make this look like more like a spine or how do I do this? Definitely not in my mind at that point. I'm usually have like you know some ratchet music in my ear, you know whatever, just going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why you got to be ratchet, Dr. Lucy? Why you got to be
1: ratchet? Sometimes I be ratchet, but for real. And a lot of times, you know, I'm playing my Ti in my ear, and I'm on, and I'm on go.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Well, look, like I think from the outside looking in, someone who's listening to this show. You know, you can hear little things that you're saying here, or there. That's piecemealing what's going on behind the scenes. But let's go get under the surface, right? Because I think surface level, it's like, oh, okay, PM and R, your fellowship train, you're doing your thing, you're working on design on the side. Um, you know, people are buying your artwork. I have a piece of your artwork. That's great. So let's let's um let's go deeper because from the way how I understand things, it seems like you have things together now, but. The way how I understand this, all of this started with a panic attack in residency. Is that correct? Yeah. All it right, sure let's, did. Let's, let's, let's get into that. Take take us to residency. Right.
1: So it was, I was on EMGs, that rotation, right? And I was done for the morning. You know, we still had some afternoon patients, but I was just charting, you know, I was done. Then I'm, you know, it's time for me to pay, you know, my monthly student loan payment because I didn't have it on auto draft at the time, Right. And so I see that figure literally every single month, like clockwork. But that day, I don't know what happened. But when I opened it up, about to make that payment, and I legit just screamed. I was pissed. I screamed. I was like, you know, the computers that belong, like, in like, little booths and stuff in your program. I was shaking my computer. My tenant came running down the hall. So I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? I'm like, look at that shit. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what? I'm like, look at this shit. And he just looked, he's like, whoa, what is that? I'm like, that's how much money I gotta fucking pay. And he was like, just you know, calm down. I'm I'm like, no, I'm not gonna calm down. I'm like, this is fucking. I mean, I mean, I'm going off, you know, just like and he's calm, he's cool, you know. He's like, yo, he's like, do you need a moment? I'm not, like, I ain't wanna fucking moment. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I'm like, I can't stand this place. I'm like, I love my program, I really do. But that day I it went from A to Z, 100, whatever. I was not having it. I was legit panicking. Like my heart rate was up. My blood pressure was through the roof. And I was like, you know what? I gotta go. I gotta go. And I grabbed my bag and I walked out, <laughs>
0: mm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know? And luckily, you know, he's, to the day, very understanding. You know, he texted me, said, hey, just take the rest of your day off. I'll finish up this afternoon and <laughs> be like,
0: but just <laughs> <laughs> but Shit. It, okay, it'll be
1: all right. So I was, you know, I was going to go home.
0: Have you ever had I a panic attack before this? Oh
1: no. mm-mm. Not at all. So I was going to go home, but I couldn't even drive home. Like, literally, I got in my car. I drove one block and pulled into the CVS parking lot. And I, I was literally, you know, hitting my steering wheel. I was going to, I got to hit my car a few times. That shit hurt. And it came back inside. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I got to call somebody. And at first, you know, I called um, I called my husband, you know, and I'm just like yelling at him. and He don't know what's going on. And he was like, well, are you in any danger? I was like, no, but you're about to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just going off. And he was like, well, take your time, just, you know, chill out, life. you know, do what you got to do. And then, you know, when you're okay, you know, just come home. And I was like, all right. So then I'm still in my head, you know, all these negative thoughts as far as like, you know, how, you know, fed loans suck and all the other stuff, whatever. So I'm like, you know what, who's going, who's going to get this? I'm like, you know what, I'm going to call Renee. So I called your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily she picked up the phone and we had a long conversation, you know, in the sense of, Student loans and debt, and you know how you know it's not just me going through all this stuff. You know, a lot of people are, you know, going through this, but having their hand head in the sand, and literally that was my head popping up, is
0: mm, I think yeah. it, that
1: moment was yeah. for me. It yeah. was like, you know, I I literally opened my eyes and popped up out of the sand and was like, What the fuck?
0: Yeah, that's you know? the best way to describe it. Yeah. It, it everything so, just seems like numbers in the cloud or it's just these right. like, letters that you get emails and you're like, that's ah, not that big of a deal until you until you get your head out of sand and you realize the implications. And you're like, oh, yeah. Shit. And for me,
1: that moment. Yeah, it, it was it. Yeah. Whatever happened that day. I mean, the light bulb came on and I was like, oh, shit, you know, like I have to pay this shit back.
0: So how did and, you calm down? What calmed you down? I've obviously talking to Renee calmed you down.
1: Yeah, it, but, a whole lot. But then, you right. know, while I was in the car, you know, I took out a piece of paper and a pen and just started writing things down. As far as like I went through all the debts that I had from my like, credit card debt to.
0: In the debt, car, you were writing this down.
1: In the car. Yeah, because I was parked. I was a CVS parking lot. I parked, Okay, you know, and so I'm looking at like my student loans. So wrote all those things down. I looked at. Um, My loans from grad school, because I didn't have any undergrad loans. So I'm looking at grad school, writing all this stuff down, credit cards, car, I mean, the whole nine. So I have like a list and I still have that list to this day, actually.
0: Can I I, I ask how much you uh, totaled it all up to be in terms of debt? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on, Dr. Lucy. Tell us. Oh, yeah.
1: It was over 630K.
0: Damn. Like of your debt?
1: Of mine. That's not including my husband's anything.
0: That was me. So, for me- so medical school was obviously the majority of that. And then oh, you yeah. had undergrad debt and then grad well, no, school. No, I didn't board. have any
1: undergrad debt. Undergrad was 100% paid for. Okay. So I had a full ride for that. I was um, in Boston at the time. when you, If you were valedictorian, then you got to go to whatever school you were accepted to, free of charge. So who was it? Thomas Molina was the mayor. And that was like one of his little things that he had going on at the time. Um, and so undergrad, full ride. Grad school, not so much. And so that's, you know, had to pay for that. And then med school was the big, oof, you know, yeah, and so then I was like, you know what, all right, here's my debt, his, all this stuff, I had the interest rates, you know, I had the whole line
0: all you did this all in the car,
1: all in the car, oh like wow, so
0: you yeah, home yeah, until
1: I had it all mapped out and had a plan because I had to go when I went when I went home, I wanted to be calm, I want to be cool, you know, I have kids, you know, I didn't want to go for them, which I do sometimes, but that's another story, mm-hmm. but anyway, and so I wanted to be you know in the right state of mind before I got home.
0: How many and kids so, do you have two? Two kids, $600,000 $600, in student loan debt, and you had a plan before you came home, or you just had everything written out by the time you got home?
1: No, no, no. I had a plan. Okay. Oh, I was in the car for hours.
0: How I, I come Dr. Renee and tell me about this call?
1: Yeah. I, went, <laughs> I was in the car for literally hours. Like, I'd run inside a CVS for snacks, drinks, go back in my car, and just hash it out in my car. So by the time I got home, I let out, you know, I said, hey, this is my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, it was ABCXYZ kind of situation. And so the first thing I wanted to tackle was my, what I had left for grad school, which was about 70K for grad school.
0: Okay. This and what the, point of your residency is this now?
1: This is my last year residency.
0: Your last year residency. So you decide that you mm-hmm. want to take out your grad school loans while in residency. Yep. While making and a resident th- salary.
1: Yes, here's the kicker. And so this was the spring of 2019. So that means that I'm going to graduate in a few months from residency.
0: Right, right. Where most people should be stacking cash. You're trying to pay off. Right. I got you.
1: And also starting my fellowship. My fellowship didn't start until later on that year. And so my goal was to, in 2019, this shit got to go like that. At least the grad school stuff needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. And so I started moonlighting like crazy
0: what specialty were you moonlighting in?
1: Um, I did urgent care.
0: Urgent care. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So I started, and the thing is that, you know, I didn't know anybody in the urgent care industry. I just started like, you know, asking people around because none of my residents, of course, is moonlight, And so I started asking around, you know, other residents and things of that sort. And then one of the urology residents hit me up and said, hey, you know, she's moonlighting here, but she's about to start her fellowship in Atlanta. So, you know, she'll put in a word for me, which she did. And I started, you know, maybe about a month later after all the credentialing stuff, started a month later and moonlighted anytime I had. I mean, so, just-
0: So you decided that the first thing was to get all of your debt in one place, figure out on a piece of paper or how, whatever it is, find out what debt you have, all the interest rate, where all your debts are belonging, like who owns them and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I guess this next step was you just realized that you had an income issue. So that's why you decided to do um, urgent care.
1: Yeah, because the thing life. is that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're a resident, you don't get that much money, first of no, all, right? No. And, you know, there's two kids, right? And you got to eat, you got to place to places to stay, whatever. And so what did I'm doing was saying the credit card debt got to go and the grad school debt got to go. All that just needed to be just out of sight because I wanted to, by the end of the day, just have, you know, the car and my student loans. And at the time, you know, you know, it was just like an apartment kind of thing, right? Well, it was a house that we were just renting. And so I worked my ass off, like even a fellowship, you know, now that I'm done, I can to say whatever I want to say. So, you know, we're supposed to moonlight during fellowship, but I did, mm-hmm. right. Cause I had things to pay off, you know, cause you're not going to get paid a lot when you're a fellow either. So I ended up in 2019 paying off about 70 K worth wow. of debt. And so wow. that knocked out all credit card debt and grad school.
0: So 70K in residency. So, and you said you, by the time this occurred, when you had your panic attack and you made the plan, this is towards the end of your, your residency. Yep. Wow.
1: I was so, a little much shy from graduation from residency.
0: So this was all done right before you finished fel- uh, residency? Or- and so
1: the plan was, but then, so 2019, that, e- that whole year, so finished residency and started fellowship. And so that during that entire time, that's when that was paid off.
0: Wow. Man, as, <laughs> as props to you. So when what was that feeling like when you finished that set of debt? What did you think in your mind when I was done?
1: I was like, oh, you know, I could keep going. So what ended up happening was that the credit card was paid off first. And so that was cool. And then for the grad school, there were two separate loans for grad school. And so I remember making a big chunk payment to pay one of those off. And that feeling, I mean, just to press send, you know, because that's a lot of money going out. You don't have to live with that kind of money. Yeah, I remember those days. And so it was some hesitation to send, you know, but once I did, and then after a while you see it all cleared off and you see it on your credit report, cleared off, it was the best feeling in the world. I was like, you know what? Let's tackle this next one. And then, you know, this next one. And so we kind of became that roller coaster. But even though I was able to accomplish, you know, all that, I felt good about it, that still doesn't take care of the rest of the 532k left for med school because my med school was not um, a state school it was a private school you know so they're super expensive
0: super
1: expensive and then i was taking out the max because when i started med school my daughter was two
0: yeah let's talk about that because i i did an episode about that how i did the same thing i maxed my loans out for the main reason is, is I just didn't want to have to ask my parents for any money. Um, my parents not that didn't
1: have any money. Yeah. my parents, you know, you know, they, they, you know, they're immigrants from Haiti. You know, when my they came to this, you know, Canada and the states, my my dad worked. But then I remember seeing his paycheck when it was on the table because he would come home when he gets paid and gave my mom the paycheck. And I remember seeing how much he made. My dad was making, you know, less than nine dollars an hour, mm-hmm. less than nine dollars an hour in Boston, y'all. And so. We didn't have any money, like at all. And so when it came to med school, whatever, like my parents could have helped for anything, period. Did, and so, did you
0: did you see that there was a report that came out several years ago, maybe like two or three years ago, where it said like the average black family in Boston, like their net worth is like eight dollars. Did you mm, see that? Did you hear like I, I didn't,
1: that's crazy. But I don't I mean, I believe it. Yeah. Cause it's crazy.
0: Yeah. You know, because if you're not if you're not owning you own a, if you don't own a home, if you're renting mm-hmm right? If you don't have anything saved up for retirement, I definitely believe it. It sounds shocking until you actually start to put things together and you're like, oh yeah, that's believable. Yeah.
1: Yep, it sure is. And you know, being up there for about 18 years, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. And so, med school, my parents couldn't pay for or help pay for anything. So, you know, you gotta be out there to live, right? To so have an apartment and stuff, you know, gotta raise a kid and all that good stuff. My husband's law enforcement, you know, at the time as well too, still is. But you know, it's very beginning stages of stuff, right? And so you pretty much don't have anything. And so my account was always, you know, red because mm-hmm. they were looking at it, And that's how the credit card stuff, you know, kind of started back up again, right? You know, well, started in med school because, you know, what else are you going to put stuff on? But then when you're applying for residency, you're traveling, you're interviewing, all that adds up at the end of the day. You know, and my daughter was two years old again when I started. Now she's 13. But, you know, and in between that, you know, we had a, um, I have a son too now. So he's four, and, you know, my daughter grew up in that time as far as seeing the whole cycle in a sense of when I started med school, she was true. So when I was studying for anatomy or whatever, I would literally sneak her into the lab before hours, you know, and her and what um, a couple of my great friends to this day, you know, we would go in there and then we study. You know, I had to put her in a trash bag so that way it could keep her clean. Talk about oh, my daughter.
0: Got you. Got you. And if
1: so, I could sit her on a cadaver. So while we're dissecting and studying, she's right there so I could keep my eye on her you
0: know wow wow say that again you had to do what like you weren't playing like this is dedication i I want to hear this again yeah so
1: like i would literally you know get like one of those big black trash bags you know Mm -hmm. and put my daughter you know inside pick her up sit her on a cadaver put a scrub top on her give her some gloves you know so that way and put scrunchie around because she's little so push scrunchie around her little arms with the gloves that way you know she could keep clean while we're studying on a cadaver and keep an eye on her
0: wow and she and wasn't that, freaked out or anything by the by the dead yeah, bodies she, or anything. I like mean, that.
1: she was too. Was she, she? She don't know that for real, right? You know, and right? Does so, she talk you know, about
0: it to this day? Like, does she? Does she now, still remember now, that?
1: Well, she remembers part of it because she remembers sometimes being in a study room and me setting up a little tent for her. She thought she was going camping, but we'd be studying overnight, you know, in the study halls or whatever. So she remembers some of that. She remembers some stuff in the cadaver lab, but not much, you know, at the time. And so. But that's how we you know we had to get it done. So and you know, I had a village, you know, in med school, and that village just did my best to this day. Um, but I would not have been able to get through without my homegirls, you know, because you know I have to study just as much as everybody else. And so yes, I had a daughter, but hey, it, I mean, had to make it happen. There were times when I to take it to daycare, daycare be close for no reason. It's mm-hmm. not a holiday, it's nothing, and I have a major test that morning in like minutes. So I remember one time I literally just say, you know what, fuck it. Rent to school, rent to the dean's office. It was Dean Stowers. I ran upstairs to Dean's office with my daughter back on hand. I was like, Hey, here you hey, here you go, Dr. Stowers. I'll be right back. And he's like, What? I'm like, look, I got a test to take, but you got this, right? You like you got kids, you, you got this, and I would bust out the door. <laughs> Leave my daughter with Dean Stowers and take my test. And I would come back upstairs and they have would have the whole suite turn into like a little play thing for her.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, that's support. That's the way it's supposed to be though, right? That's the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing those stories. That's, that's really, really uh, amazing. Now, how, how did you, um, when you're going through the process of paying off this debt, you're going through fellowship, By now you've already had your panic attack and now you're doing Phoenix Noir now. Um, are you at a point where now, like, for example, like Phoenix Noir can be something that um, maybe be able to be like a little bit of a side hustle, like a viable side hustle where that could help you pay off your loans uh, or even just provide just a certain level of, um, of lifestyle for you?
1: Yeah, it's get, definitely getting there for sure, because I've been getting a lot of um, requests for or commission pieces for paintings, even the hospitals. Um, and so right now, if you go to some hospitals, you'll see my paintings up there um originals and also prints um that they have and so i've been getting a lot of a lot of traffic and so a lot of requests and so like i think like last week i was i think i shipped off six paintings last week and they went to different places yeah, in Dr. the u.s Lucy? and even to okay. canada so okay. i'm trying
0: Good, good. No, you're doing, you doing. Which actually, <laughs> that, that what you just said leads me to my next point. Like, the, you know, one of the last things I, that when I talk with my guests or when I have them fill out forms for, for them to come on the show is, is like, what are the action steps that you want the audience, the listeners to walk away from, right? And I make them list three steps. And you've listed three steps, but number two is the one that for me, I think is going to resonate with a lot more people, which is stop waiting and stop being scared. Just get out there and get started now, which definitely is like apropos considering what you're doing right now, right? It's not even I'm trying, it's I'm doing, right? Like you are doing it, you're starting it. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Like how important is it to like really stop like the whole like conceptualizing and, you know, describing things and planning things out and just doing. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. And so even for Phoenix store, I remember when I spoke to Renee one time and I said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting a website up and started getting myself out there. But then I spent so much time on the planning and thinking and said, well, maybe it won't be good enough, or I don't think we're really going to dig it for real. And so I took literally about eight months in that space. And then there was an episode that you had about mindset, you know, as far as all about changing your mindset and Instead of, you know, saying, well, maybe, maybe this just, okay, you know what, this is what it's going to be. And after that episode, I was like, you know what, you know, he's right. You know what, just screw it. I've been thinking about this for forever. I've been planning, quote unquote, planning forever. I'm just going to do it and just, you know, go live with my website, go live with everything. You know, I joined some other like art groups on Facebook because before this, all my groups on Facebook were all medical related, right? Mm -hmm. And so now I joined some art communities on Facebook and Instagram. And so just put myself out there. And the response has has been overwhelmingly great, you know, and all because of a mindset shift. Because a lot of times, you know, if we're in a space of, okay, well, I'm planning this, I'm planning that, but there's no action being taken except for just you planning, then you're not really going anywhere. You're spending too much time planning when you could have been doing something and been so much further along than before. So if I started this, you know, when I started planning, I said, okay, I'm planning this, but then, you know, let me just start putting things out there. I would have been a lot further along than I am now.
0: Yeah. And you know, so here's what I always tell people. So I started Docs Outside the Box in 2016. I've actually been conceptualizing it since 2014. I didn't take action and actually start putting out episodes since then. And if you went to, if you looked on my Google Docs, that's where I keep all of my notes. There's notes that go far back as 2014. Talking about how to start a podcast, which way, which microphone am I going to get, and so forth. So for me, in my mind, prior to that, the work was being done, you know, prior to 2016. But whenever I tell people when I started the podcast, when I'm how long have I been doing this, I say 2016 because when you really look at it, like the work is when you actually start doing things, right? So when people say, "Well, how long have you been paying off debt?" It's not like how long you've been conceptualizing. It's like when did you mm-hmm. start putting in that work? Same thing with students and. And, you know, who are in professional school, like, you know, that whole concept of, well, I won't start, I won't start practicing for a test until I start studying, you know, the entire book for the test when it really right. should be, you need to start doing questions first so that you know, exactly, exactly. What so the, you know,
1: exactly where you stand,
0: where, so what what even where you stand time. or even what the test takers want. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. What do the test takers want? And the only way you can understand that to pass this test is by taking tests, reading the book and reading the chapters. How do you know what's the most important concept to take from there? So the same thing with this podcast, the same thing with Phoenix Noir, like it all it's all about literally taking action. And I think that's the thing that I want the listeners to take away from is like the work is not in conceptualizing the work is in actually doing something, taking a choice. And then dealing with the consequences afterwards. That's where the work comes in. Well, I took, you know, I took, I, there was a fork in the road. I went left. And because of that, X, Y, and Z happened and this is what I did to mitigate it. That's where the work is at, nodding, drawing, drawing all of these different diagrams, you know, in your, in your, on your wall and on your vision board and saying that's not where all the work is done. So. Yeah. Cause I see it as if, yeah. as far as if you're going to a
1: code, you know, you're not saying, all right, let me get my ACLS book out. Let me see plan. Oh, we're in VTAC. What do we do for yeah. VTAC? You're not doing that. That's what, and that's what we spend so much time doing in real life versus just saying, Hey, you know, all right, an epi or whatever, whatever, you know, just going into taking charge. And so the same thing as far as if you have a plan or an idea, just take charge and just go for it. Otherwise you're going to be hitting yourself on the head years down the line saying, well, I could have been so much further. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have, could have, would have, whatever, you know, just do
0: it. Or you're going to be pissed someone took your idea. That's That's true too. There's always room. There's always room for multiple people to come into a space and you could always do things your way. But when you are the first person in there, that founder's effect, there's nothing nothing like that. But um, this was super dope, Dr. Lucy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for sharing this piece of artwork. Let me show it again. For all the people who are on the podcast, this is what y'all get. You should be listening on, on watching on, on YouTube anyway. But this is some of the dope artwork that Dr. Lucy is creating, right? You can check it out on her website. We're going to have the, sh- the uh, links to her website in the show notes. Uh, but once again, this is Dr. Lucy, longtime listener, um, artist, PMNR mom, wife, paying off her debt and she's going through the process right now. You still got $500,000, a little bit plus and more to get towards it and you will get through sure it. Do. You will get oh, through ab- it. Oh,
1: absolutely. For absolutely. sure. Because nobody else is paid paid pay it off. So. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> when too. you
0: finish when you finish paying off your debt, you come back on the show, we'll have you do a debt-free scream. Forget Dave. Oh, Randy. sure. You come and do, oh, sure you do a Docs Outside the Box debt-free scream up on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen, Dr. Lucy, tell people where they can, once again, tell us about the website, where they can find your artwork and maybe even purchase them.
1: Yeah. So the website is www.phoenixnoirdesigns.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Phoenix Noir Designs. I answer all your questions as far as your DMs and everything else. I'm always in there. I was not as active on social media until I started putting myself out there. And I have loved the response ever since then. And so I'm very active on my social media um, feeds and stuff. So
0: there it is, guys. So listen, go and check the show notes. You will find links for Dr. Lucy's artwork, Phoenix Noir Designs and Photography, where she transforms images of human spines into beautiful abstract artwork. Dr. Lucy, thanks again for coming on Docs Outside the Box. Make sure you come back when you pay off all your debt, all right? Oh,
1: I sure will.